You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is your 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us, as always, is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. For tonight's story, we're going to February 28, 1982, just east of Toledo, Ohio, in the industrial suburb of Oregon. It's a community of some 20,000 people, but also home to refineries and power plants and cornfields. A local couple is out delivering the Sunday Toledo Blade to their customers, driving past some of those cornfields along Jacobs Road. It's a sparsely populated stretch with only three homes in sight. Those cornfields are covered in snow, so it's easy to spot something out of place on the field of white. And then... About 20 feet from the edge of the road, they spot something. The couple takes a closer look. It's a body. A young woman, her red blood staining the snow. Now it's 1982 here, no cell phones. So they have to drive to a home near the intersection with Wind Road. And there they call the Oregon Police Department. Soon after that call is placed, the Toledo Police Department is getting a phone call from the family of Sharon Louise Ward. They want to report her missing. Sharon is the youngest of four children, three girls and a boy, raised by their mom after their father had died of a heart attack when Sharon was just a baby. They live in East Toledo on Poplar Street. Some might describe them as poor. Dirt, dirt poor, one family friend would later say. But Sharon wouldn't have known it. She was spoiled rotten, having taken her rightful place as the baby of the family. At Waite High School, where she was a 17-year-old sophomore, she was a popular girl, friends with everyone. She was also a tomboy who loved to work on cars. During the blizzard of 1978, when several feet of snow paralyzed Ohio and other states in one of the most extreme weather events ever recorded, She made some pocket change by digging or pushing vehicles out of the snow for $5 a pop. But she wasn't immune from typical teenage growing pains. At the age of 15, she briefly ran away from home. And then there was the time she broke into a local Greek festival to steal a bottle of ouzo. 
So when Sharon didn't come home that Saturday night, or even Sunday morning, her siblings wondered if she was just being a brat. But at 2.30 p.m. Sunday afternoon, Sharon's mom picked up the phone and made that call. And it didn't take long to figure out that the body found in Oregon that morning was the girl reported missing from Toledo that afternoon. Police retraced the steps of Sharon's last day. Saturday afternoon, she had boarded a bus in downtown Toledo to go visit her grandma, who lived in the North Toledo neighborhood of Point Place. Then later that night, she went to visit her boyfriend, a 28-year-old mechanic who worked in a North Toledo garage. She figured she'd get a ride back home from him, but his truck wouldn't start, so it was back to the bus. Sharon was seen walking down North Superior Street around 11 p.m. on her way to catch another bus back to the east side. It was the last time she was seen alive. As investigators and Lucas County Coroner Dr. Harry Mignery pieced together Sharon's last moments, it revealed an extraordinarily brutal death. She had been hit twice on the head with a blunt instrument, and then her wrists were slashed. The attack happened right there in that cornfield, the struggle written in the white snowy canvas. Her attacker walked away, likely knowing she was alive, as if survival was a game he was leaving in her hands. The trail of snow showed she tried to crawl to safety, but died before she could reach the road. Sharon's older sister, Patty Ward, told the Toledo Blade, the slit wrists were absolutely symbolic. It was as if, I'm going to leave you here, and you have a chance to live. Are you strong enough to make it? The coroner told the family that the frigid temperatures coagulated Sharon's blood a little, slowing down the bleeding and giving her some time. But without someone at hand to rescue her, her sister said, all it did was give her more time to realize she was going to die. Sharon was found fully clothed, wearing light blue jeans, a blue button-up shirt, red nylon jacket, striped tube socks with footies over top, and tennis shoes. Her bus card and her cash were undisturbed in a pants pocket. Her gold-colored teddy bear charm still hung on a chain around her neck. I couldn't find any story saying she had been sexually assaulted, but police revealed that they found someone else's DNA on her without explaining it. And a few years ago, police sought to match that DNA to someone that had long been on their radar. After Sharon's death, women associated with a former North Toledo motorcycle club started calling in tips to police, saying Sharon had been seen there with a man. Some saw her outside the club. Some saw her inside the club. The man in question happened to live on Poplar Street, as did the Ward family. It also raised suspicions when police went to talk to the man and found him uncooperative. He even disappeared in the midst of the investigation, remaining gone for quite some time. Sharon's sister, who wasn't convinced police were doing all they could, decided to try and investigate on her own. She started visiting local bars where she noticed a lot of motorcycles parked. 
It wasn't her intent to ask people about the case. That would have been too obvious. Instead, her plan was just to introduce herself a lot, using her name, so if anyone knew something and realized she was Sharon's sister, someone might open up to her. But she was unsuccessful. In 2002, on the 20th anniversary of Sharon's murder, Oregon police reopened the case and tried to match the DNA taken off her body to the man from that motorcycle club. They got a search warrant for his DNA and compared it. It wasn't his. Police didn't want to completely rule him out. It was possible the DNA they found on Sharon wasn't the killer's, they said. And on the 30th anniversary of the case, in 2012, Detective Sergeant Kelly Thibert looked over all the evidence again. And soon after that, police said they caught a lucky break. They didn't say what it was, only that it was related to scientific advances. And then last year, on the 38th anniversary of Sharon's murder, Oregon police did a really unusual thing. They held a press conference to announce the name and release photographs of someone they considered a person of interest. Now, a person of interest is a very specific term. It's used to describe someone whom police believe has relevant information in a criminal investigation, but somebody they're not ready to call a suspect. It's not somebody who's been arrested or even formally accused of the crime. The term really became popular after the 1996 Atlanta Olympics bombing. If you recall back then, police regularly referred to Richard Jewell as a suspect, and he turned out to be innocent, with lawsuits resulting. Calling someone a person of interest helps mitigate that legal issue. And the person of interest named by Oregon police was Dale Schuler, who also went by the name Jack. Police Chief Michael Navarre said investigators determined conclusively that Schuler was with Sharon Ward just prior to her death. At that time, he was 27 when she was 17. Navarre also revealed that they didn't need help locating Schuler, who was 65 at the time of last year's press conference. They knew where he was. He was living in Ottawa County, and they had been in contact with him. But they released two photographs of Schuler, one from the 1990s, another more recent, and reminded the public there was a $25,000 reward for solving this case. My guess, in doing this, police are hoping that somebody who knows something or saw something might have their memories jogged by seeing those photographs. Anyway, the press conference was 10 months ago. Nothing has been revealed publicly since. Chief Navarre said Sharon's murder is the only unsolved homicide in his city, and he's determined to get it solved. He said, It's a case that we have never let go. The reason we talk about it every year is because we think there are people out there that know things, and we want them to come forward. Sharon Ward's childhood friend, Karen Jones, spoke at last year's press conference. She said Sharon's mother and sister had both passed away without knowing who killed Sharon. She said of Sharon's mom, she died a broken person, 
That's part of my motivation, is that she lost her baby. I would like to think that she's looking down, that she's excited and happy that it's finally come around, and hopefully we can get some closure on this. Karen went on to talk about the day she learned that her friend had been killed. She said, when you're 16, 17, 18, those things don't happen. You're never going to die. You're going to live forever. It was just the worst day of my life. There's still nothing compares to how that was. In my research, I also turned up this poignant anecdote from a classmate of Sharon's. He posted it on a web forum called citydata.com under a topic in which people were talking about unsolved crimes they most wanted to see solved. Here's what he wrote. I went to grade school with Sharon. She was very quiet in class, and I don't recall her ever causing trouble. Didn't see her in junior high, but in my junior year of high school, Sharon showed up at the beginning of the second semester. As we filed out of class her first day, she looked at me, smiled like she wanted to say hi, but since I was in the middle of my classmates pushing and shoving to get out of class as fast as possible, I didn't have a chance to say hello to her. Her smile disappeared, like she was disappointed and felt I was being rude. I wasn't, just clumsy socially at that age more than anything else. Well, that was early January, and she was killed at the end of February. If anyone has information on this case, please call Sergeant Thybert at 419-698-7102, or to remain anonymous, Call Crime Stoppers at 419-255-1111. That's it for this week's 10-Minute Mystery. We'll see you again on Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio Mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and may all of your mysteries have happy endings. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.